podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back and it feels like a while since it's just been the two of us doing a podcast without a guest, without holidays, blanks and doubles, specials and things like that getting in the way, the usual flow of things. Um, but as we head into the next period, it's an interesting time for FPL managers with many a damp squid seen already. And that one man, for example, smarting after a Pogba staggered run-up miss is, is Nick. You are right, mate? Have you recovered? Still fuming, um, to be honest, about the Pogba miss. Uh, had two captain blanks in a row and I was fully expecting that third. But this was way worse than a captain blank. It was a full-on captain double negative. But when you stumble and fall, you have to just get back up, don't you? Yeah, just to say who we are. We are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can use Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So what will be discussing this week then Tom uh, so today I think it's time to really look at the upcoming fork in the road and specifically deep dive on a few teams competing for the cheap for the mantle of cheap filler for the blanks uh, namely Leicester uh, who were flavour of the month before we all d- realised that they weren't very good uh, Bournemouth and maybe a little bit of West Ham as well and uh, in that same vein we'll also have a look at Chelsea uh, whether there's really reason for optimism there uh, before dropping into the features and I think we'll maybe swap out one of the features this week and go for a slightly newer one uh, then we'll take some questions Game reviews first, I suppose we've got to do it. Uh, How did you do, Nick? It was a red arrow, though. It ended up actually only being a slightly small red arrow, but I've dropped out the top 100k. It's a third one in a row. It's, it's not going particularly well in the recent weeks. 42 points. Like I said, that Pogba captaincy for minus two was pretty painful. Him and Ed's sort of one of the heroes, I guess, of the week with 12 points. Um, Ashley Barnes also got a goal. Uh, Robertson and Fabianski got me points and I got a five-pointer from Wan-Bissaka off the bench. But yeah, not not the best of weeks, to be honest. Um, how about yourself? Similarly quite quite poor. It was one of those weeks where you got unlucky with the Pogba thing, which must have made you like agree with Sooness, you know, just shouting at the TV, yes, Graham, yes, as he was uh, tearing into Pogba's laissez-faire uh, ways. But yeah, Sterling captain, is, it's a good captain this week. Uh, I mean, even six points, you know, you made an eight-point swing on Pogba captainers, but I wish it could have been more. Man City had ridiculous amount of shots in that game and how they only scored one this is just just beyond me really uh, Higuain scored uh, Jimmy scored and Van Dyke returned the back imperious in that game um, unfortunately I had gone for Higuain and Guaita who didn't play over going for Matt Ryan and Vardy that was the choice I made to go uh, Guaita and Higuain and I'd have got a lot more points if I went for Vardy and uh, and Ryan it seems to be just the way my season goes anyway uh, let's uh, transition on shall we and uh, leave that swiftly behind and uh, go somewhere else so a lot of people who are uh, heading through this upcoming period um are looking at we're looking at leicester uh, now we think that kind of bournemouth uh, as i tweeted earlier on this week are likely to be uh re-emerging back into that party of teams that provide us an option within uh, the blank game which are 31 and 33 they've only got one top six team in the last 10 to play who are spurs in the game week 37 and west ham as well uh, with a few widely owned uh, assets uh, Fabianski and Philippe Anderson come to mind. These guys are really important because they offer you not that top tier of player, but that kind of mid tier, the filler, uh, which 
could do well, could not do well, but at the end of the day, you kind of put them in and hope they do their best within the, the limited pool of fixtures that we're going to see coming forward. Um, and Pereira, of course, was uh, is the guy who's carrying the can for a lot of game week 31 and 33 blank planners who brought him in have been treated to an absolutely fantastic performance recently, right, Nick? Yeah, he's not been great. I, I made the decision to, to bench him actually this week, which was the right one because he got another zero pointer. That's a, a two zero zero since I brought him in, which is pretty terrible to be honest. Though I did actually have a quick look at Pereira, and I think there are definitely causes for optimism still with this guy. The fixtures remain ridiculous for Leicester. Or next four, they've got Fulham, Burnley, Bournemouth in thirty two. When I'll be free hitting anyway, and Huddersfield in thirty three. So we've got Fulham. Uh, Burnley and Huddersfield for his next three games, which you couldn't really want better fixtures. And in, in terms of the underlying stats, actually, he's not been too bad, to be honest. Mm. Um, last four game weeks, he's had um, created six chances, the same amount um, as his teammate Ben Chilwell, and the joint fourth highest for defenders, two of which um, have been big chances. So still that potential for attacking returns. And despite the shambles of the last three games, he actually still remains the ninth highest scoring defender in FPL and only two points behind Vardy for most points in the whole of the Leicester team. So I think there are still causes for optimism, even if, you know, I'm reaching a little bit. On some people, they're not very happy um, having brought him in, expecting big things. And there was a refrain going around that I didn't buy him for the defensive returns. But if that kind of bread and butter isn't happening, you can kind of start to question it, can't you? Uh, defensively, Leicester have done okay, actually. They've conceded 27 shots on target in the, in the last six games. The other two teams that we're going to talk about, Bournemouth and West Ham, haven't been faring anywhere near as well. Bournemouth have conceded the same amount of shots on target as Fulham, actually, uh, heavily driven by the City game, where they conceded seven uh, big chances a massive 23 shots um, how Raz didn't score is an absolute mystery in that game and West Ham aren't much better either and um, their second for shots on target conceded uh, I guess should we stick around the defence uh, for now Nick and talk about some of the key guys back there because when we spoke about Pereira there's other ones to be having a look at but I think the headlines that there's not actually very much there of interest, is there? I think we have Maguire, who's had the most shots. I think he's third behind Chambers and Duffy, has had the most big chance over the last six. Uh, you've got my man Chilwell, yeah, Irish blood, English heart, Declan Rice. I am always worthy of a mention. You've got Diop in the dregs, and you've got the likes of Ake and Jevons in this group in the baseline BPS doing okay, but it's nothing too exciting, is it? You probably want other um, other choices elsewhere or just to not really invest too much in defence, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for these three teams, defence isn't really where you should be looking, even though you'd probably be tempted to maybe get one of them in just for the next few fixtures, especially if you're, especially if you're playing sort of, um, you're not playing your free hit in 31 with those fixtures. It, it kind of makes sense to have at least you know, one of the players because of the great fixtures. And I think, um, for me, I still think of the teams, Leicester perhaps still are the best team to cover in terms of defence. They've conceded the fifth, um, these shots over the course of the season with 329. Whilst Bournemouth, in comparison, being considerably leaky, they've actually had the first West um, defence in the league um, in terms of goals conceded with 54. Um, West Ham... Kind of middling, I guess. Um, they concede 41 from 397 shots, but they also have um, the hero that is Lucas Fabianski in goal, um, who, who's definitely a goalkeeper that I'd continue to recommend. He's um, top for saves this season with 113 and a save percentage of 75.7%, which is beaten only by Lloris, um, Allison, and Heaton in terms of active goalkeepers. But incidentally, I also um, looked at the other goalkeepers and Kasper Schmeichel is actually the worst of all active goalkeepers. So he, he's perhaps one of the problems at Leicester, but 
like I mentioned the other day, uh, Brendan Rodgers is now at the helm, and you might see Casper start to save a few more goals, uh, <laughs> save a few more shots, even. <laughs> yeah, letting them in uh, to get rid of the green. I, I really don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll get Peter Schmeichel coming around. Right, yeah, um, I'll stop before I fall to pieces. Then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess the other, the other guy who's really worth mentioning is Boric um, at Bournemouth. Um, often, it's not often that you find a 4.0 starting goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I admit that Leicester, uh, that uh, Bournemouth haven't been very good in the numbers that I've that I mentioned earlier on. But it's worth remembering that Bournemouth have played four of the top six teams uh, in Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, and City in the last six. Um, so maybe you wouldn't be as surprised to see that they're not doing particularly well at the back in those kinds of fixtures. I mean, really, as we've mentioned before, like I, I don't think any of these teams, apart from maybe your Pereira, if you have him, keep him. Chilwell, if you have him, keep him. Other than that, I just don't think any of these events are worth looking at. But Boric has a price point of 4.0, uh, playing keeper who has um, Newcastle at home in 31 and Burnley at home in 33. I mean, that looks good enough for me to to, to at least have as like that auxiliary player. And even if you're going to bench boost, like I think it's fine having a 4.0 keeper because you can spend the money elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. And I think in, in your situation, Boric would actually make quite a good transfer um, this week, perhaps. Because um, you didn't ha- you've already done it, have you? Well, it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, he's 4.0, so he fits very nicely into a second goalkeeper mould without actually having to spend a penny. And uh, especially because you know, you've got guitar who's potentially not playing. And if you want a goalkeeper for 31 only, and then you also want a goalkeeper for the double game week, then you know, Boric is your man. Uh, Begovic also has a pretty horrendous um, save percentage worse than um, Schmeichel's this season so it's um, unlikely that he'll make a return no of course it's uh, every chance considering your luck this season Tom yeah exactly I, I just I couldn't believe that because I think we, when we were walking um, on I think it was Tuesday to meet up with uh, Lee Mars and Aaron um, you said to me yeah, you're definitely he's definitely not going to play Hennessy's definitely playing Tom and I was just like no no he started the last five absolutely fine and of course as soon as it starts there's a big picture of Hennessy on the team sheet I'm like oh for crying out loud it's it's just been my luck this season what can, what can you say I've got the opposite of whatever the golden touch is with uh, bringing in players this year um, alright so there's not very much there in, in really in defence apart from a bit of value in the keepers and maybe a hold if you got one uh, we'll see what happens with Bodger uh, Brendan Rodgers um, over that kind of time period Maybe Maguire will start to uh, head them in with his big head or maybe, you know, Pereira will start to be an offensive masterclass. But moving forward, um, I did have a look at their attacks to see how they've been doing. As I mentioned, Bournemouth have played four of the top six, so a second for bottom uh, in terms of shots on target over the last six. Uh, Leicester have actually played three. Um, they've played Spurs, um, United and Liverpool, and they're actually jo- joint fourth for shots on target with Wolves over the last six. So they've, they've actually been uh, you know, creating going forward. Uh, they're also second for shots in the box over the last six, just 10 behind City. Um, West Ham, uh, in contrast, look absolutely terrible. They've had 56 shots on goal in the last six, which is almost half what Leicester have produced. Where there is not very much to offer in defence, it's probably true to say there are going to be some options going forward. And we know, for example, that Bournemouth, um, at the first 10 games this season, uh, they won uh, six of that first 10, uh, drew two and lost two. Uh, so you've got to be hoping for some sort of return. And their, their offence numbers were a lot better in the first 10 games of the season. The last 10 games mirror their first 10 in terms of composition. So it's quite a lot of forward options. Um, 
I looked at Vardy and King. I know you've looked at uh, Arnautovic and Wilson, Nick. Um, uh, what I found really interesting about Vardy and King is that their data is pretty damn similar. Vardy and King both had 12 shots in the last six, 11 in the box for Vardy, 10 for King. Same number of big chances as well. Uh, but the thing that sets King apart from Vardy is the creativity. Um, so a lot of the data from the game against Watford showed that Vardy wasn't really involved in the game, as you'd expect. Uh, whereas King has that creativity in Malacca, so he's created the second most uh, most chance of any forward and the most big chance overall, which are four in the last six games. So despite having quite a poor um, period of games, uh, King's data is still uh, looking quite good. And I think for 6.4, if you're looking to maybe get rid of Jimenez, if you're worried about that, or if you've got a mid-price striker uh, spot to fill, I think King might be the one I'd go for. A quick shout for Rondon as well. He's had more shots in the box than any other forward, but I still can't bring myself to, to look at him. But, I mean, King Nick. I think Josh King, he's a player that I am heavily considering to bring into my team. And though it's a replacement for Jimenez, who was my top scorer this week, which feels like a bit of a strange move to make, but it's all part of my sort of building for the 30-31. And Jimenez obviously has Chelsea in 30 and, and no game in 31. And then if I'm free hitting 32, it's, it's only really one one game that I'll be without Jimenez and uh, Josh King, Huddersfield. Fixture does look particularly tasty. Um so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a little bit of a look as well at um, some of the other forwards you mentioned. And I've I've already got Arnautovic and I know some people have been hyping him a little bit as well. But for me, it feels like um, a mistake that I brought him in. Though he's, he can be very exciting when he's sort of on form and firing. But I think the injury woes that he's had and also probably the, the falling out that he's had with the managerial staff after sort of the histrionics in the January window perhaps have done him no favours. He's actually only started one game in the last five and only four games since uh, game week 14. Though he is definitely a dangerous threat when he plays. I think of all the forwards um, we mentioned sort of in our analysis, he's actually had the best minutes per chance. Though Wilson has been the um, the most prolific in terms of minutes per goal, with a goal every 246.7 minutes, which actually doesn't seem very good, to be honest, but that's a stat for you anyway in regards to all these forwards we've looked at. Um, definitely preach um, caution in terms of investing in. Yeah, you know, Wilson particularly was really good at the start of the season, wasn't he? I remember we were talking about the Callum Wilson school of finishing. because He was getting so many big chances and just not putting them away. I think he had about 13 big chances in game weeks 1 to 10, something like that. An absurd number of uh, pen box touches, but he only scored five of those big chances. So, Or Bamiang level finishing, as we call it these days. Yeah, I think with Wilson as well, with the injury, and he's only just coming back to fitness, I'd still probably say that Josh King would be the, the man's own over Wilson, who's probably not like he. I don't know if he'll start or not, or if he'll be eased back in in the next couple of fixtures. Yeah, but I, mean, I can see why people be looking at Vardy though ahead of Fulham. Like, Fulham have been absolutely diabolical, and even though they kind of kept um, kept Chelsea to two one, and I can understand why people are going for Vardy into the upcoming uh, period because he um, hopefully given a few more chances. I guess um, it's a nice segue onto the midfield because. There's, there's one guy who will be giving him chances. Is James Madison, uh, who's created the most chances over the last six, uh, 24. There's a chance created every 21 minutes. Um, pretty crazy data. And he's also fourth for shots over that period as well, amongst midfielders with 16. The issue is that the chances he's been creating haven't been great. So I mentioned earlier that Leicester have created a lot of chances, right? XA-wise, he's at 1.63 and he's assisted once. Not really a ringing endorsement of the chance he's made. And the same with the goals. It's just long shots, effectively. So you've got to hope that that kind of perks up into end product. 
Um, because at the end of the day, like, Leicester have produced the most chances of any team in the last six with 78. That's eight more than Man City. Uh, West Ham Bournemouth for second bottom in comparison with 39. But it doesn't seem like a little chance to be converted and you'd be hoping that Vardy at least would be in the position to do that. Yeah, you'd like to hope so. And yeah, Madison has got brilliant underlying stats. He's only actually got five goals to his name. And it's worth highlighting his goal conversion rate is only 8.5%. If you compare it to Felipe Anderson's 19%. But I think um, this is, with Anderson, I think he's at £7.2 million, pounds, the most expensive of the assets that I looked at. And I probably wouldn't recommend him because his underlying stats aren't particularly high whilst it's with Madison who has the brilliant stats again he's only got actually five assists to his name um which which isn't really that good com- compared to some of the other guys you know Ryan Fraser for instance had nine um assists to his name so uh, Fraser a very popular pick at the beginning of the season at 6.1 million and there's also uh, David Brooks who I've held throughout his injury and I'm quite quite excited he's going to come straight back into the first team for the next game for me um against Huddersfield so um he, he was he's been really exciting to watch as a young player this season and then you'd like to, to hope um, as an owner that he'll get a few more points and, and a couple of goals again yeah I think so I think that those those three um Maddie uh Fraser and Brooks are the three that I really be looking at looking at here so Philippe Anderson isn't really doing very much. I think it's yeah, one shot in the last four. FPL <laughs> uh, General posted that earlier and it made me laugh so much. Created nine chances in the last six. That's equal to the likes of Kante, Hayden and Sissoko. Uh, Snodgrass is the key creator at West Ham. So you can see why nothing really is happening there. And you have to look a hell of a way down the list for an attacking West Ham midfielder. Uh, just six shots for Antonio, who's top there in the last six games. So you're really looking at those three. Um I don't know. It's an interesting one because you've got Madison who is statting well. Could he, you know, have an eventual bubble up? I mean, they've got Fulham at home, Burnley away, Bolton at home in the, in the double with in Huddersfield away. So if you're looking to sell on like a Richarlison or maybe you've had enough of Jota or something like that, um, he might be where I'd be looking. Um, I do like Fraser a lot. Um, he has really fallen off the cliff. In the opening game weeks, he made 24 chances and created 11 big chances, as you noticed in your stats earlier on. Uh, so you've got to wonder whether it could happen again for him. But then why would you pay more than with Brooks? Like, I don't, I don't know. What would you think about that? I think um, with Bournemouth, you have to consider that in the last four game weeks, they played Liverpool, Wolves, um, Arsenal and Manchester City. So they've had some really tough fixtures. And they've also been a little bit short in terms of injuries because they've had Brooks injured. They've had Callum Wilson injured. So you might think that once Brooks is back in the fold, once Callum Wilson's back in the team, with these really nice fixtures coming up where they play Huddersfield, Newcastle and Burnley, that, you know, the creativity might develop again and... And those attacking returns will start to appear and the underlying stats will subsequently improve as well. So I think you have to bear that in mind, especially, you know, that really tough game that they had with Manchester City where they basically just parked the bus and uh, didn't have a single goal attempt all game, which was, as you said, it was quite a shocking stat. So, um, yeah, I think with Bournemouth players, I still, um, you know, I'd recommend them um, in terms of their price as well, which they're very cheap. Yeah, I mean, all, all of these guys are really, aren't they? Fun fact for everybody, uh, Ryan, usually drink, usually dance, usually babble, uh, has a five big chance in the last six and the highest uh, open play XG of any midfielder. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, if he scores, then I'll be giving you my Rolex. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's a fairly interesting time. I feel like a lot of these players are like, 
in that area where they haven't actually done anything, <laughs> haven't actually done anything of note for a little while apart from Vardy, and you're kind of thinking, how would you choose between them? I guess at the back it's the choice between Fabianski if you want to really pay a little bit more for your keeper, or Boric if you just want a cheap uh, individual to do the job for you, like I've gone for. In defence, it's a hold or monitor. Midfield for me, I think it's probably just about Madison if I was buying now because of that Fulham game. Uh, who, who would you go for? So I've already got Brooks. It'd perhaps be Madison, to be honest. I think gen- like they're all... I wouldn't really go for the West Ham picks. I wouldn't really recommend Anderson or Antonio at this moment in time. I'm quite happy with Brooks. And I think if I'm probably going to get a second one in, it would be Madison um, as an additional Leicester cover. It's also worth mentioning Harvey Barnes as well, um, who's is a really good sort of style at, at the team. Though, uh, you know, I think he's perhaps a, a watch and wait rather than taking the punt on him. He's had most shots in the box of any midfielder over the last six, hasn't he? And a few West Brom fans have said he was very good for them last year. Um, it's just, it seems like he can't quite translate that into end products yet. Other than that, I wouldn't really be looking at West Ham. Like, on my free hit, I think I'll have Antonio in that free hit team, but I wouldn't be looking at Felipe. I'd maybe look at Lanzini, actually. Um, got over 100 points every season that he's been in the Premier League. Coming back, and he looked very good against Newcastle. Didn't create any chances in that game, but uh, maybe one worth watching to see how well he reintegrates into that side. Um, I guess up front, there is a straight shootout between Vardy and King, and I'd be thinking, well, King's a little bit cheaper. But you've got the Fulham game, which is likely to promise a lot of points for Vardy, and I'm, I would probably be favouring him this week just because of that amazing fixture. But in the long term, I'd probably be thinking about King, really. Yeah, fair enough. I think um, in the front line, King's perhaps the one that I'm looking at. I think um, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't mention your old vice uh, Arnie there, Tom. But uh, I think no, he's, definitely, uh, he's definitely too much of a risk with the injury woes. But but I'm generally set up. I just need to put in one more forward. So it, it'll possibly be King, maybe even Jamie Vardy, which uh, would be quite interesting <laughs> considering be. I'm such a hater of the rat face. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, so let's move on then to, to Chelsea. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, so yeah, Chelsea obviously are a big team to, to cover in the next few game weeks. And especially those that perhaps use chips already. They've got um, a game in 31 and a double game week in 32, which is um, looking like it's going to be Cardiff-Brighton, which, you know, doesn't get much better than that. And, um, yeah, so Chelsea, I think, um, obviously, they've been a, they've had a bit of a rough patch recently, haven't they? Um, season's been a bit of a mixed bag, but they've had um, a couple of good games in a row, uh, beating Spurs, unfortunately, and also beating Fulham. So, yeah, who do you think the uh, two key men are at Chelsea then, Tom? Obviously, um, going forward, it's, it's Higurin and Hazard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was watching them both uh, against Fulham, and obviously the caveat is they were playing Fulham. They were easy pickings, and so were Huddersfield as well, when they both really performed. But it looked like at least... Um, like. Higuain's movement was very, very good. He was getting good positions. Um, you just kind of felt, and we were joking, we were always cheating about this a little bit, that his confidence was a bit low, like uh, has played him through and he completely fluffed it, for example. But it took his finish well and he could have had more, I think, on the day. Um, has himself is, again, doing all right. And the Chelsea in general are doing doing all right. They're middle of the road for attempts, but they're third bottom for big chances created with just eight equal to Newcastle and just two more than Huddersfield. Uh, so a chance grace every 6.2 minutes is pretty middling again. Uh, has himself is doing okay. 13 chances in the last six, but no big chances. 
uh, and he did look a bit tired. He got taken off at halftime. Uh, sorry, in about in fifty ninth, sixtieth minute, didn't he? In midweek and taken off a little bit early against Fulham. So not, he's not really tearing it up at the moment. And Hig, um, he's four for shots overall, level with Troy Deeney for pen box touches and the like. And he's actually perform outperforming his XG at the minute for those people who care. Uh, he scored three goals um, and was only expected to score one point six three. Um, so a little bit there. I think the nine point six. Higuain does offer quite an interesting option. I think I was sold on him being an explosive differential to some extent. I've got to hope that those kind of Cardiff and Brighton um, fixtures do come out as being the first two double game weeks. So they've got to have a double game week that week. And as you said earlier, like a lot of people who have used all their chips should probably be looking at Chelsea because they just solve a lot of problems. Like having three of them is probably going to be something which is really important at some point. So I myself am looking at selling Mo Salah in 32 and uh, bringing Haz in and then wildcarding in through to bring Mo back in and sell has again. I think for a lot of people, they could really do a job here. I mean, are you excited about either of those options? I own Hig already, but has and Hig. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm excited about them. I think they kind of fill me with a little bit of trepidation in terms of owning either of them. Obviously, I've never owned Higurin before, but, you know, my my hazard experience has been well documented um, on previous pods. And, uh, yeah, I gave my underlying analysis of hazard uh, when I was on the pod with FPL Stag as well. But, I mean, I am actually thinking about going back there he, he is a vice of mine but it, it kind of makes sense to be honest to bring him in um just because in, in game week 31 i'm actually I'm, I'm looking at the double liverpool defense it just means i've got a lot of money flowing around um for players in 31 and you know i've got i've got plenty of money these lesser players bournemouth players they don't cost me a penny so you know there's there's cash to be spent I've got Mo Salah, but apart from that, I won't really have many premium players in that squad. So I was thinking, you know, I might as well just get Hazard in for that one week. And, you know, if he does nothing, it's fine. Um, I'll still probably have him in my double game week 32 free hit side. But, you know, it probably won't give him the armband. But I think with uh, with Hazard, you know, it's, it's just got to be done, isn't it? If you don't own him, you get punished. If you do own him, you, you get punished. But you might as well join everyone and own him in, in, in week 31 where there's not really a huge player pool and you, you can really miss out. So I think it just makes sense just to, to bring him in for myself. There's no other option there really, is there? Willian and Pedro seem interchangeable. I feel like we're really scrabbling over and it feels like it's this time of year. Like I'm, I kind of avoided going into the 31 a 33 uh, load up thing because I just didn't like having to bring in Hazard for you know a player like uh, Raz or uh, something like that. I just don't like I just don't like them very much. I mean, I, maybe 31, 32, I'll do it. But Higway and I'm I'm happy to back. Uh, but Hazard just someone knows he's going to let you down. And same same as you, I'm never going to give that guy the armband. Um, all right, uh, Martin SE5 asked, uh, "Is Luis or um, Aspilicueta the Chelsea defence?" Um, I think a lot of people are looking at about defence as being uh, somewhere they will be investing. Uh, they're joint second bottom with Liverpool for attempts conceded over the last six uh, with uh, 32. Uh, City were bottom uh, with, on that score with 15. Uh, but they've conceded 14 big chances in the last six, which is an incredible 44% of all the chances they've conceded. Um, that, that's due to seven of them coming in the City game, where almost half of the chances they conceded were big ones. So I'm not too sure what you're going to be looking at, Nick. I know you own Louise, Sideshow, Bob. Would you be advising people to jump on board uh, the Chelsea defence or would you be saying leave it well enough alone? I think definitely. I think um, you, you can cover the Chelsea defence for the next couple of game weeks. Kind of makes sense, especially if you're in a similar situation to me where you've got a little bit of extra budget. Um, I don't see any harm in, in bringing a Chelsea player 
into that defence, I mean, looking at the actual stats for this season, alongside the three sort of main Liverpool defenders, the top six is also made out of three Chelsea defenders, um, Alonso, Luis and Azpilicueta for, for score this season. And I think, um, obviously, Alonso's out of the team. So the main Chelsea defenders perhaps you'll be looking at are, are Luis, Azpilicueta and and um, Rudiger, perhaps, as well. Um, and Azpilicueta's actually starting to pick up some attacking returns. Um, seems like with Alonso out of the team, he, he's... Um, being the more creative fullback, he's had three assists in his um, in the last four, taking um, his tally now to to five for the season. Um, but I think um, Rudiger and Luis, who are 0.4 million cheaper than Aspilicueta, perhaps still the direction I pointed in. Perhaps Luis would be the one that I would say is the best option. He's also now had a little bit of a rest um, against Fulham, and he's expected to return. Sarri very rarely rotates the defence, and they've been quietly. Um, solid racking up 12 clean sheets which um, is a second only to Liverpool Maspilicueta yeah three assists and with four chances created over the last for the last four really mad that's interesting to see whether he and Higuain could pick up the same sort of uh, partnership that he and Morata did maybe Louise would be the one that would be the easiest one the most obvious one for people to look at um, as, as you mentioned like set priest threat and he's also um very creative. Uh, he can be very creative in pinging those long balls from centre back. Um, a few kind of uh, mashups here. Then Nick cheeky monkey asks Vardy versus Higuain, uh, which was a question that I was facing at the start of this week, and a few other people were thinking about, and maybe still thinking about now. Um, which one of those two do you prefer? I think I prefer Jamie Vardy to be honest. Um, uh, especially with my plans as well for the next two. I'm only looking at the next two fixtures, so I'm not less interested in the double game with 32 and less to have um, Fulham and Burnley in the next couple of games. I think Vardy's um, proven forward in the league. Higuain, he still looks like he's adapting. Um, you know, he's, he might be slightly off the pace. He might even be, um, you know, rotated a little bit potentially um, with the likes of Giroud or Hazard as a false nine. So I think um, I think Vardy would be my choice out of those two in a straight um, in, a, in a straight heat. Higuain's the partners, Neil Vardy's probably more of a proven character with the Fulham fits up next. Yeah, I wish I kind of done it before because I was hoping that. Uh, Higuain would without outperform Vardy and that didn't happen. And the final question on this little bit before we move on to the break is can we trust Haz again? Uh, Ian Wilson asked uh, if you'd rather Haz or Salah uh, for the next few games. Uh, I think I'd definitely rather have Salah than Haz uh, for the next few. Whether we can trust him again, probably not, no. But, you know, I just keep running back to this guy. You know, like, it's about fool me fifth time now, fool me sixth time. But, you know, yeah, he just continues to to punish me. But, yeah, I'm going, I'm going back for more. Like I said, I can't trust him with the armband anymore, though. Yeah, I mean, I'd looked at Has versus Mo, and on a season level, um, they're actually really close, like a lot closer than I thought. The numbers are in the same sort of ballpark, and as you'd expect, Mo has more shots and Has is a bit more creative. Over the last six games, Has is actually a better prospect than Salah, according to FFS's comparison tool. Uh, a very similar minutes per attempt, and Has is creating more chances. So, according to that, Salah's uh, drop off in form has been has been seen and. Like for 32, I think I'll get rid of Salah rather than getting rid of him now, um, especially for Burnley at home nets. I don't think I could do that. 
Yeah, I think for 32, I'm going to be free-hitting, and I don't think I'm going to actually have space for Salah in my free-hit team, even though I felt like he was one of those players that I was going to own for every single game week this season. But then in, in 33, he'll he'll be back in after the free-hit, and uh, Liverpool have Southampton in that game week, which is another blank for them. So, you know, he is worth keeping, and I would definitely wouldn't be thinking of selling with, with those next fi- next few fixtures, burning Fulham up next. I think you're just asking for punishment, to be honest, if, you, if you're considering selling him or even risking going without, despite the um, downturn in his form. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Uh, I still think it's worth selling him now, is it? Right, OK, let's take a break there and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back. We're doing our feature section this week. Uh, the first bit is the market forces. This is our section where we use the FPL NCI data to look over the movers and shakers in the FPL transfer market. And uh, Nick, what have you been seeing this week? So the most transferred in player this week is Trent Alexander-Arnold with over 60,000 transfers in at the time of recording. And um, I think it's not a surprise at all, actually. I say that every week, but, you know, TAA has been brilliant um, last couple of game weeks. He's got an 18-point haul with a hat-trick of assists in game week 28. And then three bonus points in the last game against Everton and a clean sheet. And, um, yeah, his stats now for the season are one goal, six assists and 12 clean sheets in 20 games, which equals an extremely impressive 6.0 points per game for the uh, young player who just sort of appears to be getting better and better. He's on the free kicks, he's on the corners, and he looks an absolute steal with Burnley slash Fulham up next. And I think um, there's a very, very strong chance that he's going to add to that points tally next couple of game weeks. I think for, for many like myself, um, it's just actually a case of um, how to fit in three Liverpool players into your squad because um, he's had 61,000 transfers in um, at this moment in time. But Mane's fourth most transferred in player with 46,000 transfers in as well. And he's just come off the back of, um, well, he blanked against Everton, obviously, but he also had a 13-point uh, haul and a couple of goals against Watford. And he, he whilst Mo Salah's been quiet, Mane's been getting the goals. He's had um, he's had uh, six in his last seven. So, you know, he's, he's doing really well in terms of his performances and uh, definitely one that people will be uh, bringing in for those next couple of fixtures. And one uh, that is dangerous to go without, it's just such a shame that we can't actually get four Liverpool players into our squads. Yeah, absolutely. And Mane, a centre-forward at the moment as well, is something that's going to be uh, one to watch with Firmino coming back. I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, but he might be interesting, for example, differential captain in game week 31 uh, versus Fulham when everyone there uh, goes on Salah. Um, you can see where people are getting the money from to buy these players in. Uh, you've got Son, Son Heung-min, got questioned by him later, sold by 43,000 people. Um, they had, it looked absolutely invisible, didn't he, in the North London derby? When he got subbed off, I thought he'd been subbed off already. Um, barely saw him and Kane wasn't um, wasn't playing him in this time. Uh, interesting to see how that works. And uh, Laporte has been sold by 40,000 people, which I'm guessing is where the TAA kind of investments are coming from. Yeah, um, we've also had um, a lot of action, actually, um, in terms of transfers in for Declan Rice, um, a player that we didn't mention earlier. Um, he's only 3.4% owned, so very sort of low ownership, but he's now got a couple of goals to his name. It's probably um, a few enthusiastic West Ham uh, fans that are purchasing him at this moment in time. But, you know, there's a lot of hype about this player. Now, it is with good reason, because he, he does look um, extremely um, solid in that, in that West Ham team. Um, and definitely a young player with a lot of potential. Um, and West Ham have great fixtures as well, as we mentioned earlier, with Cardiff and Huddersfield up next. But um, whether he 
is a long-term FPO option remains to be seen, but I do understand the logic in terms of the transfers in for him. Yeah, he's playing defensive midfield. Uh, looks to kind of have that kind of goal in him. The last two times he's got a 15-point hole, uh, 29, this game we just gone with Newcastle and against Arsenal um, at home. Uh, would you expect that lightning to strike three times? I just don't know. It feels like one of those kind of buys that the stars have aligned a bit because he's got that good couple of fixtures and he's just scored a goal. Not sure whether we'll see that again. We definitely can see that again now I said that, right? Okay, and uh, further guys um, who are in the mix transfer-wise, uh, Wolf Zaha, um, someone who I mentioned uh, with the pot on the Bob of World the other week, um, bought by 48,000 people, uh, scored a really, really nice goal, actually, against against Burnley and looks to have been unleashed somewhat by having Batshuayi in front of him. Yeah, he's been quietly delivering returns. Um, you know, he's had uh, four in the last four. Um, definitely um, a player that we've always been a big fan of, but never perhaps quite made it into our FPL teams. But at 6.8 million and Brighton at home up next, um, I can understand the appeal. Seems like um, Rashford's actually um, one of the men that's being sold, perhaps for Zaha. Uh, with over uh, 50,000 transfers out, he's uh, been a little bit off the pace. I think he had a bit of an injury as well. Um, so which meant that he only played 13 minutes in the Crystal Palace game, much to uh, Tom's chagrin, considering it meant that a Bednarek clean sheet was blocked. But uh, yeah. you, know, you live and learn. And I think obviously a lot of people perhaps with um, United's um, fixture up next against Arsenal and the blank in 31, and decided that Rashford can easily make way perhaps for um, Zaha or perhaps for one of the forwards that we mentioned earlier. And um, also so um, a lot of people seem to be doing or selling Aubameyang and bringing in Aguero perhaps because over 40,000 transfers in for Aguero while 65,000 transfers out for Aubameyang after that. Minus one pointer against Spurs, which uh, was very frustrating for over owners. It hasn't quite happened for him either this season um, in terms of the attacking returns that perhaps um, Arsenal fans were hoping for. But, um, you know, he's got... Uh, He's got United up next and the blank as well. So that kind of makes sense. Even though Manchester City are blanking 31, they've got a plum home game against Watford, which um, Aguero will be scary not to own in. Yeah, I mean, he he's only three points behind Aguero, Aubameyang. I, I can't remember the last time um, a forward who's in the top two at the time he was uh, a joint top with Aubameyang uh, went down to below the initial asking price. Um, it's just It's just been so inconsistent, hasn't it, with Aubameyang? I think he's only had back-to-back returns uh, three times over the course of the season so far. And in recent times, of course, we've uh, fallen on hard times. He's not been able to produce anything, uh, which has been very, very annoying. So I see people are getting rid, especially with uh, with Man City doing very, very well. Okay, uh, let's move on to the next bit. So uh, we, with the Zombies, we were thinking, well, we talk about them every week. Nothing really happens. They're always the same team. Um, so I think maybe we'll put something else in here. Uh, it's the Nick pick. Uh, it's inspired by the Laporte 20-pointer on Double Game Week being very Nick, of course, many people on our Slack, in that it was quite a safe asset, which uh, made uh, made big gains. Um, if it's a grower, it's one we're not going to talk about. But if it's a shower, it's one we're going to talk about a lot. Uh, this week, Nick, who have you uh, cast over the fixtures and identified as being the uh, the, the, the safe pick uh, if you want to get some points? I think actually Jamie Vardy. I think it's actually a really safe pick, and I thought what? I went for this. I went for this one because I wanted to just be a bit controversial, just because people probably don't expect me to be singing Vardy's praises, seeing as I'm always one of those managers that are criticising him, calling him rat face, saying I've never owned him. But I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll give him a shout out for this um, next couple of game weeks. 
Um, I mean, Leicester um, are playing um, four of the five worst defences in their next four games. And I think, um, you know, 8.9 million, he, he is at the high end of affordable. He's got three goals in the last four. Um, and though he's sort of only managing a couple of goal attempts a game, he usually slots, um, you know, maybe one away or so with a 19.6% goal conversion rate. Um and uh, yeah, I think um, when Vardy played Huddersfield last um, game, they, he actually managed seven goal attempts. So I think there's definitely a high chance of Vardy returns. And uh, yeah, with those fixtures, why not give my nitpick to Vardy? All right, I get that. Still be very surprised to ever see him one of your teams, though. No, I know. Um, I know you wanted me to to give a shout out to to Nathan Ake, but I just I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it with that Bournemouth defence. <laughs> He's definitely going into my uh, into my free hit team, I think. Right, and the final thing this week is uh, is the All England team. Um, they, they did pretty well this week, actually. Fifty seven points. Captain Vardy came home with a sixteen pointer. Uh, Ashley Barnes scored. Uh, Kieran Trippier uh, nabbed uh, two bonus somehow, and uh, Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, Performed again for them as well as uh, Pickford at the back, keeping a clean sheet. So, yeah, 57 points, busting the average. Uh, not bad at all. I've tried to figure out a blank and double plan for them. Uh, I don't know. It seems like a lot of teams who are in the uh, blanks and doubles are going to be quite useful. Maybe there'll be a return for Josh King. Who knows? All right, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the mini league. And, and whilst it's been full, full, full for mine and Tom's ranks, um, there's been a few people who have actually been doing pretty well in terms of the mini league. And, they've, um, you know, it's all, all changed, actually, because we haven't done a, a league update in a fair while. But um, right right at the top now is uh, Mark Sinclair, who I don't think we mentioned before in the pub, uh, with Schurler this year. Um, he's a uh, 61st overall rank at the moment which is, is very very impressive now he didn't have the best of game weeks to be honest with him um, with 39 points he is a victim of uh, Pereira um, he's a victim of Sane having Rondon come on as a substitute for two points um, you know it's a victim of the likes of Salah and Felipe and Pogba as well but um, you know managed to pick up a Fabianski clean sheet, Robertson clean sheet, and Jimenez 12 points to make sure that it wasn't too bad for him. But um, yeah, well done, Mark. Doing very well. But there's a few people on his tail. Um, James Wells, the Bombus Wonders, um, are only seven points behind. Um, he's overall rank 83rd at the moment. Third is Salvo Barra, the Mendigos. Um, he's been up there right at the top all season, uh, 1-8-9-2 at the moment. In fourth is um, at Sky Player and FPL, Paul Jones. Um, with a score of 1,886. And in fifth, it's uh, Liam Berry with Bootstrap Theory. Um, he got a return of 56 points, uh, which is pretty decent. Green arrow for him as well. Sweet. Yeah, well done, guys. We're moving on to the questions this week. We had quite a few. I believe we've hopefully answered the questions of Carl, um, FPL Opinion, uh, Matt Hall and Jeb Kalud on the uh, Bournemouth, Leicester and maybe West Ham assets. So to the Wolves, guys, uh, wolfing it down. They're Jimmy and Doherty. What do we do with them? Uh, let's talk FPL mentions Doc. What are we going to be doing with him? Um, was rotated uh, for the third game this game week. As does Clement, uh, Neil Gupta and FPL Ponty sketch. They all ask kind of, you know, what are we going to do with these guys? Are they uh, worth keeping hold of or is it time to get rid of them? My problem with Doherty is that I've 
have a lot of money invested in him i bought him at 4.4 he's now 5.4 so if i'm going to sell him you know i'm probably not going to buy him back for the rest of the season and i I do really i do actually want to keep him for the rest of the season even though you know in 32 he won't be my free hit team i still might keep him into that wild card team because they got some pretty decent fixtures still actually even though that game week 30 against wall against chelsea's tough um and they've got a blank in 31 you know they they have a double game week um involving Burnley they've got Southampton in 34 they've got Bryson in 35 and another potential double game week um they've got Watford's in 36 and Fulham in 37 before final game against Liverpool so you know I think there's definitely a case of keeping this guy who's been sort of you know really good pick this season even though you know I was a bit disappointed that he didn't play in the last game and only got one point in the um in the Huddersfield game as well, which is a bit frustrating, obviously, as an owner. Uh, but I think um, definitely with Jimenez, I think I, I'm even though he was um, sort of one of the heroes of this game week, I have less money invested in him. So I'm quite happy to sell him, to be honest. Um, and I think, um, you know, obviously there's a few decent forward options out there as well in that in that Wolves um in, sorry, in, in the, which we've talked about earlier. So there's a few replacements like Josh King or Jamie Vardy that could easily come in for, for Jimenez for me. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be selling Jimenez just yet. I think he's he's starting he's starting very well, producing very well. Uh, five goals in the last six, uh, scoring his big chances as well. Uh, four big chances he's scored out of the six he's had. Joined second for shots in the box with the likes of Aguero and uh, the amazing Ashley Barnes. Uh, Doxy is a bit more of an interesting one. Yeah, still starting well. You know, fourth foot uh, pen box touches. Uh, but I mean, I understand what you're saying about yeah, we've had him since four point four. Great investment for us and loyalty to him. On the other side of it, you can think, oh well. You know, I've I've made that investment. I can now uh, cash that investment in effectively and use that money elsewhere. Like, could it be the time to to spend a sentiment with Doherty? And uh, an interesting thing that was published uh, on FFS this week um, just uh, really brought this home. Uh, so Nuno uh, Espirito de Santo um, said, "Quote: When you have a tough cycle of games in the week, the third one is 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 the one we believe requires some attention." Um, and we saw that there was a lot of benching this week um, in that Wolves team. And uh, what's really interesting about that is that in the double game, which I said in the uh, on the chat with Will uh, the other week, that this was a dry run for a lot of teams to see who had the stamina, who was central to those teams, who was going to be playing uh, in every single one of those games. And Doxy isn't one of them by the looks of it. Um, so in game week 32, they've got two fixtures, obviously, uh, which are just before the potential FA Cup semi-finals they may be involved in. And uh, the double game week in 35 runs straight into double game week into normal game week 36. Um, so I think there may be a lot of benching involved there. And I may, I think he may come down to just one, be a, basically be a single game week player in those games. Like, you know, we're eyeing up potential double game week uh, for Wolves, uh, which include, well, we know that they've got a double game week that includes Burnley and then Man United. And I know there's another one that includes Brighton and Arsenal. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Doherty play the Man United and Arsenal games and not be playing the Brighton and Burnley games. Um, which kind of makes me wonder, well, could I do better? Like, could you have, for example, Duffy top of shots for uh, defenders, uh, who's definitely going to have two double games and pro- almost definitely play the 90 minutes? Um, could it be time to just uh, sell him and run? I don't think I'm going to sell him for 32. I think I will keep for 32 just because transfers aren't are a luxury at the moment. Uh, but I think on my wild card, he may well be on his on his way um, just because I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I feel like we're, we've gotten to the end of our time together. Um, and it was a it was an amazing time. We've made a lot of money, but it's time to uh, time to part ways, I suppose. 
I think you do make a valid point there about uh, fullbacks, and they tend to be quite often the victims of rotation compared to the central defenders, which which rarely go, um, which rarely get rotated. So maybe we should be looking at the likes of Laporte, the likes of Shane Duff, who's definitely going to play, or even the likes of Willie Bolly, who's um, got three goals to his name actually, the same amount as Doherty. And like you said, yeah, if you sell sell Doherty, cash in, and, and get Willie in then you've got some extra money for the rest of your team. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you won't be in the whole way because it will be less expensive than Doherty's. Right. No, I, I kind of get it. But I, I think that, yeah, I, I think Geminis, for me, isn't going anywhere. I'll be keeping him for 32, even though he's also been rotated in the past, of course. Um, I'm hoping that he stays fit enough to play those games. But you know, if, if he doesn't play in 32 and one of the doubles and he's gone in the wildcard in 33 as well, lots of mid, mid-range forwards around. And my eye is on my usual yearly purchase of Troy Deeney um, for, uh, for for after the uh, after that time. You love owning Deeney at the end of the season, don't you? You always have him for a couple of game weeks and he gets you a brace. Might headbutt someone as well, but yeah. tends to get you a few points. Well, he missed the penalty last year, remember, um, against Arsenal. No, when he was going on about the cojones and I brought him in thinking, oh, yeah, he's definitely something against Arsenal. What he did was a Pogba and missed his pen. Uh, but I'm holding out for that Huddersfield Fulham double game week in 35. He may well end up having my armband for that double game week, although my triple captain will be spent by then anyway. Um, but yeah, um, interesting times. Um, I think I'll probably keep hold of him. It sounds like there's also a case to get rid of him. <laughs> it's very much down to your team as always. Uh, next question is, uh, no city's a pity. Uh, FPL Hotspur and FPL Dare asked us about city assets. How important are they so I um, know uh, Dare's got Sane but wondering if swapping him to Raz uh, Sterling is a good idea and Hotspur's wondering about selling Mo for Sterling for one week um so let's take uh take the cityless uh angle first Nick what would you be advising people to do I mean obviously it depends on their team setup um but it is a big it is a uh, as you said earlier quite a good looking fixture against Watford so would you be saying to people hold off I wouldn't necessarily be recommending the switcheroo, especially when you're looking at Salah's fixture against Burnley, who who have um, conceded the most shots out of all teams this season. Uh, Welford generally have been um, pretty impressive um, this season, and you know they've been middling in terms of their their goal attempts conceded. You know they've conceded 361 shots this season, which is actually um, less than the likes of Arsenal and Manchester United. So, you know, they've been pretty good, though we did see that they got absolutely tonks by Liverpool. And, you know, they're not, they don't seem to be the kind of team that, that would park the bus. They always want to give it a go, uh, perhaps to their detriment when they're playing the top teams that often sort of tear them apart. And, you know, I often see the likes of um, Spurs, Liverpool, Manchester City, absolutely smash Watford when they play them. So, you know, there is obviously that risk that um, if you go without a Manchester City player against Watford, you, you're likely to get punished. Though I wouldn't be recommending um, setting Mo Salah. Um, Sane, I think with Sane, though, he's, he's a player that hasn't really... Um, been part of Pep's plans in the most recent game weeks. He's definitely sort of dropped down the pecking order behind the likes of um, Sterling, behind the likes of Bernardo Silva as well. And he's, he's not getting um, too many minutes. He's If he does play, he tends to get hauled um, around the 57-minute mark, much to the uh, annoyance of owners in the last few game weeks. And uh, yeah, I think in the last um, five games, he's accrued two points in total. And I think you have to be... Um, pretty ballsy just to, to keep playing this guy and you know but I do understand with Watford at home you know like you wouldn't want to sell him 
Maybe would, you, maybe would you advise moving on to Sterling? If you had the budget and it's a straight swap, I, I probably would just say, yeah, go for it. Because, you know, um, he is he is just too mercurial, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> and his minutes aren't... He's, he's not getting enough minutes. So he could easily... There is that scary... There is that danger that he will suddenly haul this game week because it's always inevitable. Especially if I go on sort of records recommending that you sell Sané, he's definitely going to haul. So, you know, <laughs> you got to take it with a pinch of salt, this advice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're not um, if you're not free-hitting in 32, I'd be reconsidering buying a City asset for sure if they own one. Yeah, I'd maybe be considering getting two. I am considering getting a second one um, if you um, if you are um, going to be playing a normal game week or playing a chip that week instead of a free hit. Because if you think about it, they've got Watford, Fulham and Cardiff in the next three. If they do somehow lose to Swansea they still have Watford Fulham and Cardiff in the next three uh, game week 33 they've got Cardiff they'll have Cardiff at home so I mean if anything that's probably a good thing to be getting to City for like they're still very very good fixtures obviously if um, if they come in on a free hit they're a no-brainer to get to a three of them uh, the one that I really like at the moment actually is David Silver um, 8.5 million owned by four, uh, 3.4% now, Kevin De Bruyne is injured. Um, he, he went off and is going to be out on the sidelines for a little while. At the start of the season, uh, David Silva started quite a few games in uh, Kevin De Bruyne's absence. And uh, he actually also has started eight of the last ten. Um, I think he becomes very integral to that Man City team. And he is able to produce, as we know from seasons past, the first ten games of the season when he was playing a lot. Um, so I think there's definitely something there um, in owning that guy. And I'm actually considering taking him um, to answer another question, which is about um, Son, what we're going to do with him from FPL Prince. I'm actually considering swapping Son to Silva this week and doubling up Man City mm-hmm. that way. It's a really aggressive move, obviously. But, but I'm swapping a 25, 24, 25% player who does look pretty tired for uh, a player who's uh, a free, 3.4% owned. Mm-hmm. So the potential gain in rank is appreciable, I think. Um, so I might, I'm seriously considering doing that, and I do really like the idea of having David Silva. So I think he will play an awful lot uh, without Kevin De Bruyne uh, being around. Um, I think Pep said recently that Bernardo Silva is the best player in the league, um, and then you've got Sterling, then you've got Sano on the wings. But I think Silva is one that he really relies upon if uh, his key creator isn't around. Yeah, I guess that answers um, FPL Prince's question to a certain extent there, Tom, um, who asked, what are we doing with Solly Boy? And I think, um, so yeah, you're, you're planning on selling him. I, I've held him through those Arsenal-Chelsea games. Um, I wanted him for that Spurs, uh, for that Southampton game, and I'm probably going to be keeping him this week, giving him at least this fixture before he goes in, in 31. I mean, I could be swapping him out for Madison or Hazard now but for me I, you know I'm happy to hold Son and, and, and play him against Southampton seems that you know like you said he, he was very quiet in the Arsenal game and since Harry Kane's return um, returned from injury it seems to have been to the detriment of Spurs because Son was really playing that talismanic role you know he was leading them to victory week in week out and now he seems on the periphery he's not playing the 90 minutes he's pretty knackered you know he's been um, you know across to um, sort of Asia or whatever to, for the Asian games and and was rushed back to to play again immediately and uh, he, he probably is due a break but um, you know hopefully hopefully I can squeeze one last performance out of him before he goes. Yeah, he's got the qualities to do. I mean, I saw Dele Alli is back in training as well, so maybe that might help give Son a bit of a breather. Um, you've also got the fact that in the double game weeks, um, they've got probably the complexion of having one 
good game, one bad game. So they've got Liverpool away and Man City away to fit into these double game weeks around Brighton at home and uh, Crystal Palace at home. I think the Brighton game relies on how well Brighton do um, against championship team, don't they? Um, so I don't know. It might be the case that Son doesn't play that slightly quite and quite easier game. It depends how much Poch is still going to be going for the top four, whether they're kind of happily ensconced there and we're focusing on the Champions League. Um Against Southampton, that's going to be a bit of a worrying transfer. I wouldn't recommend you do this if you're safe and you're consolidating and uh, you're, try- you're trying to hold on. But if you are looking for another Man City option, I think I'd be looking at Silver for 8.5. That's, that's a really good value, I think. Um, and if you can fit him in somewhere else, um, I'd, I'd really be looking at that. Um, yeah, so you're keeping hold. I might be selling. I'm not sure yet. By the time you hear this, I've probably sold him, haven't I? Right, uh, so the next question is about Liverpool. Uh, TAA or else, or maybe even more, De- desperately seeking Duzan asks, if you're doubling up Liverpool defence and assuming you own Robertson, which most people do, uh, do you go with TAA or VVD? Um, John O'Forward asks, is it better to go for a second defender or a second midfielder? And our friend Hindu Monkey says, you know, which one of Trent, Virgil or Mane uh, do we use to supplement the other two? I think this is a really tough question, to be honest, and one that I'm sort of, you know, really thinking about at the moment. I feel like it could be one of those critical decisions. But obviously, with um, with Liverpool, most of us own Mo Salah. Most of us already own, I think, pretty much all of us own at least one defender. I've got Robertson. Um, I think you, you've got Virgil van Dijk. Um, and then, you know, those people own TAA. And I think at the moment, after that last performance, I'm really leaning towards um, bringing in TAA and, and getting two defenders in. I think Liverpool, you know, really racked up so many clean sheets this season. Their, their scores for their defenders have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, Van Dijk, Carrigal saying that he should be the player of the season, PFA player of the season, which will be the first time in, in a decade since one's won it over a decade. I think John Terry was back in 2005 or something. But yeah, I think... Obviously, their defence has been phenomenal and, and uh, you know, they're guaranteed pretty much clean sheets in those next couple of games. I'm not guaranteed, but oh. it's, it's highly, <laughs> highly likely that they're going to add to their clean sheet tally of 17. Q, Ryan, um, Ryan Barb will go, I reckon. Yeah. Highly likely that Mo Salah does nothing as well, but <laughs> we'll have to see, to be honest. I think, for me, I really like the idea of the double up in defence, but... You know, Mane is extremely appealing with his underlying stats. I mean, perhaps you, you can't own four players. I think at the end of the day, you just have to look at your own budget, who you're, who you're transferring out, where you have the space within your team and sort of manage it that way to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, what's really good about um, Sadio Mane is that you can swap him on to another player if you need to, um, either in 32, if you're going to buy him now, or I, or later on um, in 35. So I, I'd probably be looking, it, it really does depend, doesn't it? Because I think you can get a lot out of that double Liverpool defence. We've seen that time and again over the last few game weeks. Uh, Trent is such a budget-friendly option that I, I find it very difficult to think how, how you go without him. It's just uh, maybe looking if you are, if maybe if you are looking to to free hit in 30, uh, 31, then maybe you wouldn't be looking so strongly at doing that and you probably want to transfer to do something else. Um, but he's only 18%. Uh, that's a lie, actually. So he's only 18% owned, actually, Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it's actually been a bit of a differential for people who probably have owned Van Dijk or, um, or Robertson. In contrast, um, if you look at Sadio Mane, um, the guy's still got 26% ownership. So actually, it's a bit more of a differential to have Trent. And it looks like Trent's the one who's walking away with uh, with the points moment if Liverpool aren't very good going forward. They are still very solid at the back. They've still got five uh, clean sheets in the last five. 
that's pretty damn good. Uh, so I think I'd probably be looking at, um, at Trent here if you were looking to buy him for your proper team. But um, on a on a free hit or whatever, I'd probably be looking at Mane. Um, yeah, quite quite a tough one. As soon as Gomez comes back, then maybe we might see a, a Trent having a couple of games off here and there. But Mane seems relatively nailed in contrast. It's, it's really tough. It's a really tough call to make. And as, as you said earlier, it depends on your on your team breakdown, doesn't it? Um, Final question this week is about uh, bare double mins. Uh, so FPL uh, flooded us. How many players is minimum for the blanks if you are free hit and first two and wildcard and 34? And uh, linked to this, uh, Ulysses FPL asked, if these rights be considering selling uh, Pereira and Felipe Anderson because they're not doing anything at the moment, even though it reduces his blank quota? I would keep Pereira for the reasons I stated at the beginning of the pod personally. Though um, I think there's definitely a case for selling uh, Felipe Anderson. I just don't think he's he's really been in form at all the most recent game weeks and he, his underlying stats are well off as well. And I think they're perhaps better options that you could be looking at, um, you know, for those next couple of games, to be honest. I can understand the appeal of selling Anderson, though I think I'd, I'd be tempted to give Pereira a little bit more of a chance with those Leicester fixtures still being very tasty. So I, I wouldn't necessarily sell him. But um, I think in terms of the number of players, I think it, you know, ideally if you can get to nine, that'd be quite good, and you should be you should be okay. Though I wouldn't say take too many hits to to get to that that number. I, you know. Perhaps try and avoid, you know, doing minus eights or minus twelves to to field an eleven because invariably it won't work out for you. But you know, if you've got to cover your Liverpool players, you should be tripling up in that team. It'll good. It'd be good for you to have a you know a couple of perhaps Leicester or Bournemouth or um, or West Ham players as well. And, and you you know you're pretty much set with, with a setup like that. To be honest. Yeah, the minimum I agree is we're going to be what eight or nine is, and I think it'll be all right. Like I'm looking at three and thirty-one, but in thirty-three, I'll be looking to get I think nine core men out in the wild card, maybe even less. Uh, I don't think you'll be you'll be too badly done by as long as you have the right guys covered, of course. Um, with the Felipe Anderson and Pereira thing, yeah, I'd probably keep Pereira because of the Fulham game. Felipe Anderson, I mean, he have got good fixtures, but doesn't seem to be doing anything at the moment. So maybe swap him to Madison or something like that. I mean, it's, it's doable. I'd maybe be considering that if you're wedded to the to the first two free hit. Um, I think you know, last year I I was really up all night many times trying to decide between subpar options around this time and the years before as well. You know things like coming to the decisions by Ramiro Funes Mori, who didn't even start for Everton that game week. I mean things like that I just wanted to avoid completely this year. And I think that in the future, like I don't know, we'll, we'll see. I I just didn't like doing that. I didn't think it was worth pulling all my transfers into those sorts of guys. And I think it'd be better to just look at the wider player pool in the white in those games. But it'd be interesting to see how it comes out at the end of the chip strategies. Okay, uh, so transfers and captains this week then, Nick. What are you looking at doing? Um, so in terms of my captaincy, I've got it on Mo Salah. You know, he, he hasn't been great in the most <laughs> in the last few game weeks, but I'm willing, him, um, I'm willing to give him the captaincy for that fixture against Burnley at home, which is, you know, it's, it's a plum fixture. Though I imagine a lot of people perhaps will be looking at the Manchester City assets and captaining them, which kind of makes sense as well. But for me, I'm, I'm very regimented in terms of my salary captaincy and, and usually it pays off. So I'm, I'm hopeful that pays off. But um, in terms of transfers, I've got two free transfers because I rolled my um, transfer um, last week. So I've got a little bit of um, 
you know flexibility in terms of what I can do this game week. Um, I am, like I mentioned, considering selling him, and as it seems like the week to to be selling my um, Wolves assets. Um, I don't really want to sell Sol or Sterling. Well, I'm not going to be selling Sterling, and I don't really want to sell Son either. They'll probably both go in 31. So I might just do the one transfer and do something like Jimenez to King. Interesting. I already did Hamer to Boric just because I didn't have a keeper last week. It was really, really annoying. And at least you think Boric is going to keep his spot. Keith Begovic starts on the weekend, but he was very good against Man City. He got six points, actually. Um, but I never brought him in against my captain. Um, I'm going to be captaining Raheem Sterling again. Uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Transfers-wise, I'm still looking at that minus four uh, son to David Silva. And I think that that could be actually be quite a nice one. Um, I think he will play a fair bit. And I'll keep an eye out of news on the Kevin De Bruyne first because I doubt there's going to be much uh, much movement in those price points. I'm sure Son will just punish me as, as always seems to happen. Are you considering the Liverpool triple up then? No, um, because I've got three hit 31. I'll have three. Um, 32, you don't need you don't need Liverpool players generally. Mm. Uh, and 33, I'll probably have a triple Liverpool on my wildcard. So um, for game week 30, I'm, I'm all right. Like, this is the last week of quote-unquote normal FPL for me for quite a while because I've got a free hit next time. I've got the triple caps in the first two, wild card in 33. So game week 34 is the next week, which is normal. But even that, I'll be planning for 35 anyway and doing the transition between 33 and 35. So, yeah, quite an interesting wild card, by the way, Nick. I've got a Lacazette. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a Lac- looking like Lacazette, Dini, and uh, I think Rashford is a crack trio of strikers wow. at the moment. Yeah. 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 I, I know. No, no Aguero. Okay. Yeah, no, no worry for now. Um, just because I think their second wild this is game week thirty three, so it's after yeah. the double game week. Um, and I think their second wild, their second double game week isn't looking particularly appealing. Uh, Tottenham, Man United, W, um, Champions League, um, still going on around that time period. I mean, it could all change, and I could uh, could grab him. Uh, but I think the crack team of Lacazette, Rashford, and Dini could could do the job. And I think uh, I'll, I'll keep Sterling. Uh, Glenn Murray as well fit that guy in. <laughs> The old maybe. war horse, bring, bring out the old war horse. Yeah, maybe wheel him out. Last, one last game. Yeah, no, I was only asking about Liverpool because I think that would be the other transfer that I'm considering is perhaps um, selling AWB and, and bringing in TAA. But I've really got to kind of nail down what I'm doing in terms of whether I bring in Mane um, in midfield or, or whether I go for the double up in defence. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, great. That's basically it. Uh, we'll be back next week as usual. Yeah, and it's a uh, last normal game week in, in a long time, as you said. Uh, so, yeah, we're really hitting the tail end of the season. It's a quite exciting times. But, yeah, thanks, um, everybody, for listening. Just to say who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find us online, whogotthesist.com, on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And our league code is 516 Cool. We'll be back with you on the eve of the blank game week next week. But for now, I hope to assist you and speak to you soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.